Well, Lord, we just thank you that, that you're with us always. Lord, let, let us never forget the simplicity of the, the work you accomplished in the new covenant in placing yourself inside of us. Lord, we live by you. It's the secret to everything. Help us to see more and more of this union, Lord. Help us to receive more understanding to live by another. As you live by the Father, we now live by you. The Father and the Son, making you making your abode within us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, because this is the way of rest. There's no burnout when another's living his own life through us. There's no burnout. Thank you, Lord, for the rest. As you said, come unto me, all you are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that now that you would help us receive by the Spirit the thoughts of God. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And we rely not on our own understanding. We lean not on our own understanding. But we are open to the Spirit of God to show us the things of God. For the Spirit is given to show us the deep things of God. No one can see these things or know these things but by the Spirit. No one knows the Father but the Son, Jesus said. And no one knows the Son but whom the Father reveals Him to. Reveals the Son to through the Spirit. So it's all, it's all by the Spirit revealing the Son. The Son revealing the Father. Thank you, Lord, for this simplicity, but this way of rest. And you're so eager to show us these things. So eager to show us all things. He who spared not his only son, he who spared not his only son, will he not with him freely give us all things? So cool. So cool. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, it shall be open to them. So awesome. So we ask and we seek and we knock. And we thank you, Lord, that you've opened our eyes already to things we didn't know just a year ago. It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. The unsearchable riches inside of Christ and now inside of us. Christ in me. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Cool, cool. God is so good. Galatians. Let's Try to finish chapter 5 of Galatians this morning. Mm -hmm. We've been on uh, verse 16, 17, and 18 for a while now, but we're going to move further and then uh, probably refer back to some of those things too. I want to maybe look at Romans 8 and see what that says in reference to walking in the Spirit. Okay, here we go. Chapter 5, Galatians. 
verse 19. Well, let me start at 16 go down because it, it's really, it flows into that. Verse 16, 17, 18, the three verses we've been reading, chapter 5. Let's go, verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which, I tell you before, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, or those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We did it! (laughs) At least we read to the end of the chapter. Let me say this first of all, because I know a lot of times you read this particular passage and you'll think the one that really kind of stands out sometimes in our in our uh, sometimes in, in the in our struggle to to believe that we are righteous and that's what this letter is all about Paul's talking to the Galatians and he's saying it's not about your your obedience it's not about your good works it's a righteousness which is by faith that we've received and his whole letter of Galatians the whole thrust is to get the Galatians uh, free from law because they had slipped back from hearing the revelation of Jesus himself taking upon himself the sins of the world and giving the gift of righteousness. And they received by faith that message and received the Spirit, and they were born again. And then they went back to the law to try to perfect themselves. So the Galatian letter is all about, it's, it's mainly to believers who are trying to, if you want to say this theological term, trying to sanctify themselves by the law. They saw themselves justified by, by grace, but now they're going to be sanctified by obedience to the commandments. And that's widespread in, in many churches today. The thinking that, yeah, God, you know, God uh, forgave you, and you're forgiven, and you're righteous in Christ, but now it's up to you to be holy. It's up to you to obey the commandments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Paul says that Christ, Jesus himself, has been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, all those things. And I love the way Paul says that. Jesus does not give us righteousness. Jesus does not give us holiness. Jesus does not give us these things. The Scripture says, Jesus has been made unto me these things. In other words, The Christ Himself being joined to me and me to Him, who He is has become who I am. As 1 John says, as Jesus is in the world, so are we. This is the major difference in in the truth of the Christian faith. 
Every other religious leader gives teachings and, and gives things and instructions about how to do things or how to live the, the holy life or whatever. Only one says, I'm not here to teach you the truth. I am the truth. Only one can be joined to us. Only God can join himself to us. And as he is, we be, we are as he is. So righteousness is Christ himself. He himself is our righteousness. That's why the scripture says he himself is our peace. He has become our peace. So union with Jesus is the key to everything. It's the whole Christian life, in fact, because that's, like we said one Sunday, the main work of the Spirit of God in renewing our minds. When you hear that phrase, the renewal of the mind, a lot of times we go to immediately thinking about sin. Okay, okay, the Spirit's going to help me stop thinking evil thoughts and help me start thinking good thoughts. That's not what it's all about. That's the law. It's, that's the, the law did that, did that, and it caused us to sin more, and it did that for a purpose so, so we could see. We couldn't, we couldn't keep the law. We couldn't do it. But the main work of the renewal of the mind is to have this switch in our thinking that now it's not us learning the knowledge of good and evil and trying to pull it off, but now we are joined to another life and we are living by another within. It's the same truth when... um, when Jesus came, the, the incarnation is a picture of the Christian life. When, when Jesus came and was uh, birthed through Mary, um, incarnation is the secret to the Christian life. God has become incarnate in you again. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. That Word now has become incarnate in you and I. We are literally vessels of this treasure, earthen vessels of this treasure, which is Christ, the life. We live in this, theologians call it incarnational reality. Incarnational reality. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's not about you doing or me doing so I can be something. It's a revelation of an incarnation. It is an importation of life. That's what Romans talks about. Paul says, I learned that the the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death, which worked off the law. Because it's it's incarnational. It's an incarnational truth. It's it's Christ himself living his own life through us. And that's exactly what Galatians says in chapter 2, verse 20. 220 says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Here's incarnational reality. Yet not I. But Christ lives through me. And the life I now live in this body on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died needlessly. Isn't that awesome? That is so cool because this is, this is the main switch in our minds is the renewal of the mind to see I I stand in the righteousness of another and I live by the life of another so that Christ can flow through us. Like Cooper was sharing with me the other day how he was praying for the sick and God gave him a vision of of his hands were the hands of Christ. It wasn't like Jesus had his hands over Coop and, and, uh, you know, like I'm with you, but it was like a revelation is that you are my hands. And that's exactly correct. 
That's why Jesus could say of himself, I am the light of the world, and then turn to his disciples and say, and now you are the light of the world because I'll be in you. I'll be in you doing my same works through you, through the body of Christ. That's why it's called body, head, body. It's, it's one. You know, vine, branch, one. It's awesome. And it's such a rest because the burden's off us. We don't have to, we don't have to perform. We can perform. Only He can perform through us. He said, as I live by the Father, so shall you live by me. Jesus said all the works He did was the works of His Father working through Him. He says, the words I speak are not my words, the words of my Father in me. The works I do, the miracles are not my miracles, but the works of my Father. The miracles were the Father doing miracles through the Son. He modeled for us how we're to live by Him. And He said, as I live by the Father, you too shall live by me. Isn't that cool? And what's, it's exciting because you never know what God's going to do next because you're just, you know, you're not trying to, you don't have to have it all figured out. It's so cool. Okay, now, sometimes we'll read this, this first right here. It says that, um, he, first of all, he lists these, these things of the flesh. It's interesting. What Paul is saying here, notice he's not saying these are not commandments to stop doing these things. He didn't say, now stop envying, stop having jealousy, stop your adultery, stop doing these things. These are not commandments to stop doing. He says, now, the, the works of the flesh are evident. He says, it's pretty clear what the flesh looks like. But just in case you're not sure, let me give you a list. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He goes, now, it's clear, it's evident that these are the works of the flesh. It's pretty evident. This is what it looks like. And then he says, and it's, and it's also beautiful what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. And he said, this is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. You can no more stop doing the works of the flesh in your own strength then you can do the fruit of the Spirit in your own strength. So he's not laying down these rules to stop doing this and start doing this. He's saying, look, it's just evident. This is what the flesh looks like if you're not sure. And this is what the Spirit looks like. But he's not talking about here a commandment to do. And when he says, they who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, he's talking about a, a statement there that the sons of God. Remember the, the book of Galatians is all about trying to get the Galatians to remember that they are sons. That the, that the spirit of the, of the Father cries out in their Abba, Daddy. That they, they forgot who they were. So he's saying here basically that a true son of God is not going to practice these things as a lifestyle. They're not gonna, there's going to be a change in our lives. But it doesn't mean just because we stumble and fall and do some of this stuff and you know who hasn't walked in the flesh and, and envied and jealousy or, you know, all these things. We're all, every single one of us could say, you know, yeah, I've done one of those things or at one time or whatever. We used to live in them because that's who we were in the flesh. But don't let that verse trip you up because Paul's whole emphasis is seeing who you are so that you'll not walk in the flesh but walk in the Spirit. And that's the whole point. So he said, so he said walk in the Spirit, be who, you, be who you are so that the fruit of the Spirit may come forth. So I think that's really important to see that he's not suddenly changing everything he said in this letter to the Galatians and says, okay, now you've got to you know, keep these laws or not do any sin so you'll be righteous. He's not saying that at all. He's just saying, this is the work, the work of the flesh is evident. It looks like this. Fruit of the Spirit is, is clear. It looks like this. Now, look at this. This is so cool. Verse 22, there's the fruit of the Spirit. 23, against such there is no law. That simply means when, you, when we walk in the Spirit, there's no law against love. There's no law against kindness. There's no law against faithfulness. It's so cool. Because, and that's what's so cool about the law. Paul says that love fulfills everything the law was trying to do. 
there's a verse in Romans, I think chapter 14 in Romans, where Paul says, if there be any commandment, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. He says, if there be any other commandment, he, just, he listed a few of the Ten Commandments, and he goes, if there be any other commandment, they are all fulfilled in this one word, to love. Which, so, which is so cool, because that means the author of the law is God, who is love. So by just being like God is, you don't break any laws. Isn't that cool? But what's even more cool is that as a believer, you can break the law, and it's not counted against you. And that's grace. Where there is no law, there's no transgression. But it's just, just kind of neat. I love the simplicity of God, the genius of God. Because we walk in love, we fulfill everything the law was trying to get fallen man to do and see, although fallen man couldn't do it. And, and it was always in reverse. The, the, the law came to natural man in reverse. It came like this, thou shalt not. But when you have with the, in the spirit, the law comes, not the law, but the revelation of God comes to you by grace. And it says, God is love. Yeah. See, the law is, comes in a negative sense, thou shalt not steal. But in the spirit, the grace of God comes to us and says, you know, Work with your hands that which is good so you might be blessed and you might have plenty to give to others. See? It's positive. So cool. Because that's who God is. Okay, then let's look at this. All right, verse 24. And those who are Christ, or those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, this is another verse that trips people up. Verse 24. Because you'll say, well, I still have, I still have uh, passions and desires of the flesh, so I must not have crucified the flesh enough. <coughs> and notice this verse says, past tense, those who have crucified the flesh. Remember this, saints? We do not crucify the flesh. God crucified the flesh. That's why Galatians 2.20 at the beginning of the letter, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. We don't gradually crucify the flesh. We don't, we don't gradually die. We don't gradually die. There are passages in the scripture that say things like this. Paul says, I die daily. There are passages that say, take up your cross as I take up my cross. And, and, um, and, and that is a, a word that speaks of dying daily. We have confused what Paul and what Jesus is saying there with the finished work of Christ the finished work of Christ is a, is a death that's already done. Paul says, no, you're not. You've already died. Judgment has come. The flesh has been judged. It's over. What Jesus is talking about, what Paul's talking about in the context, like when Paul said, I die daily, in the context of that passage, he's saying, I am persecuted. I am hunted by the Jews. I have the wild beast from Ephesus after me. I mean, he names all these things that are after him. He goes, I die daily. And he says in another passage, he says, um, we bear in our body the death of Jesus, that the life of Christ might manifest in you. What is that talking about? See, he's not talking about sin or the flesh at all in those passages. He's talking about the new creation is the one who is rejected in this world. Right. See? Jesus took up his cross, right? And he says, take up your cross and follow me as I do. Well, did Jesus have any sin problem or flesh problem? See? He wasn't talking about dying to flesh or dying to sin. He's talking about if you're not willing to be rejected by this world as a person not of this world, you can't follow him. It just makes sense because you're going to deny him. You're not going to want to, you know, you're going to want to, you you want the praise of men more than the praise of God. You're going to do what the world wants you to do because you're not going to, that's all it says. That's all he's saying there. So the daily dying of the believer 
has to do with the rejection of this world against the new man, the new creation. Not a daily dying in terms of your sin or my sin problem, my flesh problem, has nothing to do with that whatsoever. In fact, it's only the new creation who walks in the life of God that can die daily. Because the dying daily is a, is a, uh, a way of saying sacrificial love. See? Jesus died daily in the sense that he, he sacrificially loved every single day, but he never sinned, never had a sin problem. That dying daily that the Scripture talks about, taking up your cross and following me, that's not talking about sin or the flesh or anything. That's talking about you as a new creation will be hated in this world even as he was hated. And so we take up that rejection. The cross is a picture of rejection. It's a picture of the ultimate rejection. We don't want you. Crucify him. Away with him. The cross is a picture of ultimate rejection unto death. And so Jesus is saying simply, don't give a cross back. When they reject you, don't reject them. Take up the cross in the power of his life. See? So don't give a cross back as, as David did not give a, give a cross to Saul. David could have killed Saul, but he didn't. David was a picture of the Christ who didn't, who didn't destroy Saul but took up the cross of rejection by Saul. God took care of Saul. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Isn't that cool? So keep those things separate. When you hear someone preaching about dying daily, um, read the context, because the only time Paul mentions that phrase, I die daily, is in the context of his persecution. It has nothing to do with sin or the flesh or anything. In fact, Paul was adamant. You've got to see this, Paul said. You've got to see that that you have already died. In reference to the flesh, in reference to sin, in in reference to the old creation, it's a done deal. So when you see this phrase in Galatians where it says, they who have crucified, or they who belong to Christ, or they who are Christ, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires, that is a fact. that That is happened. And now, Paul is saying, if we walk in the Spirit in this new reality, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh but we'll walk in the power of the Spirit. But you have, because you have believed on Jesus, you have crucified the flesh because you have believed. And by believing, see, Christ became one of us. He took on flesh and blood that He might swallow up the human race. He, he brought, he, he became, first he, first he went into us, so to speak. He went into us, into the race. Born of a woman, born under the law, made of flesh and blood. Thou hast prepared a body for me, Hebrew says. So he went into us. He went into our race into, as a man. Then he went into us to, to draw the whole race to himself, the last Adam. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. Then in the resurrection of Christ, we are drawn into him. See, he, come, he comes into us, into our realm, into our earthly realm as a man to die that crucifixion is a one act. It happens. It's over. Romans 6 says that even as he died once, we are to consider ourselves as having died once. Even as he was raised from the dead, never to die again, even so consider yourself alive to God unto him, never to die again. See? I mean, it's powerful. This, this reality, you actually, we've, and I know we've said this a thousand times, but we've actually been moved from the lower Adamic race, from the fallen race, we've actually been moved from the race of Adam into a new race, a new creation. 
Paul called it this way in Romans. He says, God who raises the dead and calls into being that which, that which did not exist before is what we have in Christ. The, the Greek word new creation means, it doesn't mean the old is fixed up. The word in the Greek, new creation, means a brand new species that never existed before. That's awesome. Neither Jew nor Gentile. It is spiritual. Now remember what we said earlier when Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He did not say, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is now flesh and spirit. Saints, get that. This is awesome. I'll say it again. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He did not say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is now flesh and spirit. We have literally been translated into a different realm, into the kingdom of the beloved Son. We are literally a new creation of new people on the inside. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. Okay, now let's look at some, some Romans. Uh, in verse, I love verse 25 here. It says, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Because in other words, he's saying, you guys are alive in the Spirit. Whether you're walking in the Spirit or not, this is also very important, saints. Whether you're walking in the Spirit or not, you're still living in the Spirit. Amen. You're in Christ, whether we're manifesting flesh or spirit. And then you say, well, how can you, be, how can you manifest flesh if you're not really, you know, that was born of the flesh, flesh, that was born of the Spirit, Spirit. How can you manifest flesh? Because Paul explains to us that the residual power of sin remains in the mortal body. In our members, Paul says. And so the power of the Spirit within puts to death, Romans 8 says, the deeds of the body. It doesn't say the Spirit puts to death the old man. It doesn't say the Spirit puts to death our old nature. It's the body. Because the power of sin still is in this body of this creation. See, everything of this creation is going gonna, is gonna to be destroyed and, and dissolved. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, the scripture says. That's why this new creation within must put on a different tabernacle. It, mortality must put on immortality. This body is mortal. I will put on immortality. You'll put on immortality as a, as a different body at the final resurrection. We wait for the redemption of the body. We're going to see that in Romans 8. Isn't that cool? But that's how it happens. That's, that's how we can still walk up the flesh sometimes because the mind still has in, in our brains, in the DNA, in the blood, in this, of this creation, we still have patterns of thinking. We have ways of looking at things. We see in part. We prophesy in part. We manifest Him in part. But as we are receiving more and more of who He is and the love of God in us, the Spirit of God sheds abroad in our heart the love of Christ, the love of God. And there's a corresponding manifestation that is effortless. It's not, you don't have to try hard to love. When we see His love, we're filled with His love. When we see His love, we're filled with His love. If you're filled with His love, it pours out. Paul said it this way. He said, if we could, if we could ever get the height, the revelation of the height and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of God, 
we will be filled with all the fullness of God. And when you're filled with all the fullness of God, buddy, you're walking in the Spirit without even thinking about it. You're responding to life. Whatever life throws at you, life responds. Just responds. You don't, it's not a matter of the mind. It's the Spirit responds before the mind even thinks about it. It's, it's, a, it's a way of living by the life of the Spirit. Paul said in Romans 7, as a regenerated person, he was still trying to live under the law because was, this was a process of learning for Paul. He learned after he became regenerated, he struggled with this whole thing of trying to pull it off. And that's why Romans 7 is so cool. We can read his own struggle with now that he's a new creation and he delights in the things of God, but he finds himself sinning. He's doing the very thing he hates. You know, Romans 7, we talked about that. Well, Paul is saying, Paul says in Romans 7 that I serve the law of God with my mind. That's how, as a Jew, that's all he knew. I serve the law of God with my mind. But now, Paul says, now I serve God in my spirit. See the difference? Are we serving? A lot of believers are out there serving the law of God in their mind. In other words, tell me the rules and I'll keep them. Tell me what I should do and I'll try to do it. That's serving the law of God with your mind. But the, 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 the main work of the Spirit in renewing our minds is to see that, no, you don't serve the law of God with your mind. You serve God Himself through your Spirit, the new and living way. We no longer serve in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? It means Jesus Himself living through us. The Christ living through us. That's how, that's, that's how, that's how it happens. Okay, let's look at this real quick. Um, let's look at Romans 8 real quick. can't believe we're actually making some headway here. I'm trying not to go on rabbit trails too much. Just cut it off. Stop. All right, because this is, I love the Romans 8 right here. Um, now, Romans 8 is where Paul switches from that struggle of trying to, you know, as a believer, trying to pull it off by the law. And he says, oh, now I see this is the way. It's the spirit of life. It's, it's this new way of living by another life within and he talks about that there's, that there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is so key. There's no condemnation because why? Because judgment has already come on the cross. Jesus was judged for all our sins, for all people, for all time. And God will not put you in double jeopardy. He would be unfaithful and unjust to do that. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, If you agree with God that you're a sinner, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So no matter whether we, we are walking after the flesh or walking after the Spirit, if we're in Him, if we're in Christ, there is no condemnation. In fact, Paul says sin is not even imputed to the believer. There is no condemnation. That's such a huge thing, you know, for the saints. You can't, you can't imagine the self-hatred that we have against ourselves because of condemnation. It's the work of the enemy. The accuser wants to keep you condemned and that works in you a self-hatred. An unhealthy self-hatred, not a good self-hatred. A self-hatred that makes you um, sabotage your life because you feel like, I don't deserve it. Isn't that amazing? We sabotage our, li- our lives all the time, I believe, because of this self-hatred that's per- uh, What's the word? Uh, perpetuated? Perpetuated? 
perpetuated by this, this, this gnawing sense of condemnation. It's the wisdom of God to release us from condemnation. You know how the verse says, the cross is the wisdom of God? Very few people really see that, what that is saying. They'll say, the cross is the wisdom of God. And they'll start talking about, you know, denying yourself, you know. And, you know, the cross means deny yourself and, you know, and... No, the cross is the complete release to us of all sin, of all weakness, of any inferiority. Complete release. The Holy God is saying, come boldly to me. I love what Joseph Prince said one day on television. He said, he said in the same way under the old covenant, God said, don't let them touch me. Don't let them get close to me. They'll die because of his white hot holiness. I mean, everything had to be done perfectly. You know how the guy that tried to straighten the ark up and touch it and die? Or the high priest who doesn't do everything perfectly? One man, once a year, gets to go behind the veil and so they don't do it. They're dead. I mean, what is that? What is God teaching? He's teaching the perfection of God, the holiness of God. And Joseph Prince said this, and he's right on. He says, in the same way, in the, the same intensity that God said, you cannot approach me unless you do it exactly as I say, because this is all a picture of Christ, is what it was. All these things were a picture of Christ. In the same intensity of God that says, tell him not to come close. That same intensity God is saying to you and I, come on in boldly to a throne of grace. Isn't that awesome? The same God, same God, hasn't compromised His holiness. That is the value the Father places on the death of the Beloved. It's not based on our performance. The Father's great love of His Son, the value He places on the death of His Son, is so unimaginable. It is so cleansed. We are so cleansed we cannot imagine. The prophet Isaiah, God spoke to the prophet about this coming of the Christ. And he says, tell Israel they have received double for their sins. Tell Israel the war is over. See, the scripture says we were enemies of God. Why were we yet enemies? Christ died for us. And the prophet Isaiah, speaking of the Christ, he said, tell them they have received double for their sins. Double. More than, more than, they, more than they can imagine. You can't sin enough in 25 lifetimes to be sin, a bigger sinner than what the work of Christ did. That's what he's saying. Tell them they receive more. The judgment has more than compensated. Tell them there is no more warfare. Tell them to come to me. Amen. That there is peace. Yes. Peace. Amen. Isn't that awesome? awesome? It's the same God, same intensity that said, can't come. Same God that says, because of my son, come. Come boldly. And you're not coming to a sergeant. The scripture says the day will come when they will no longer call me Lord. In the old, old covenant, it says in the day, the day will come when Israel no, will no longer call me Lord, Lord. They'll call me Nishi. They'll call me husband. Husband. Husband and bride. You've been invited to a wedding feast. It's a celebration. The king's son is getting married. See? It's a whole different thing. It's a romance and he did it all. You know? And these are the things of the Spirit. These are the things of the Spirit that allow us to not be condemned and not and not allow the, the enemy to rob us of who we are in, in this rest. There's a whole lot more in Romans 8. I want to, maybe next time we'll look at Romans 8. 
so much stuff in Romans 8 that's so awesome. Flesh and spirit, really awesome wisdom. You guys encouraged? Yes. Yes. See, this, this, I tell you, it's, it's so cool. It is so cool. I want us to pray real quickly, saints. I want us to pray. We are, we are in the Spirit. and right now we've been encouraged in the spirit and faith is there and I want us to pray for Sally Sally's got an eye condition that the doctors say she could lose her sight over a period of time and I want us to pray Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever I mean, I can't imagine what Sally's going through right now. Can you imagine, you know, if if you know that this could happen? So we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord. He says, ask anything in my will. And if we know we ask according to His will, we know He hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have the petitions desired. The Christ that's inside of each one of us. You know, the Scripture says we actually, it's actually the Spirit that prays. Or he prays according to the will of God. Awesome. So let's just agree with me right now, saints, and let's pray for Sally. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you're so good and so kind. You never turned a single person away that asked for a physical healing. Not a single one. Not a single one. Even the unclean woman with the issue of blood, by the law she was unclean, but she touched your hem because she got the revelation that it's not a matter of my cleanliness. It's a matter of the Christ is here. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would touch Sally touch Sally and I pray that the Spirit of God would quicken her mortal body. Those near Sally, just lay your hands on Sally's shoulder. Lord Jesus, you said that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, I feel it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the faith of your saints. Thank you for the witness of the Spirit. Thank you that we live in another world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love Sally. You love Sally. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.